This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Samantha Swindler. And I'm Tom Hallman. And this is Oregon Lives. We ended up with a brief hiatus of our podcast due to the world. <laughs> um, just a lot going on right now globally and nationally and here in Portland with, as we record this, coming up on 70 nights of protests. So we've both been really busy and it's nice to talk with you again, Tom. <laughs> uh, same to you. I know you've been out there on some of those protests. I covered one night and my teammates at the paper did an outstanding job covering the story. I guess you could say that protesting is kind of a Portland tradition. And today we are talking about a very different Portland tradition, the Rose Festival, something totally different. Tell us the story. What is the story we're hearing today? First of all, the Rose Festival is an institution. And in many ways, people believe its time has passed. It has no real relevance to all that's going on in the world right now. When you think about a virus, the political issues, the economic issues, the social issues, I was asked to cover the Queen's coronation. In preparation for covering the coronation, I decided to go back and interview some of the queens from past years, one from 1947, one from 1962, and one from 1980. The festival has continued to evolve, and it provides a bit of meaning in our lives. And Samantha and I often talk about meaning in stories. And oftentimes, the most meaningful stories have less to do with the news and more with the humanity. And this is a story about humanity in the mythical realm of Rosaria. And now... Subjects of Rosaria, please rise to greet the Queen of Rosaria, Her Majesty, Queen Maya Brazil, escorted <laughs> by Prime Minister... Uh, just to give a little bit of background, if you don't know, I mean, I don't know how you couldn't know, but the Portland Rose Festival is a more than century-long tradition here in Portland. Um, I looked it up. The first queen was in 1908. And then they had a king for a couple of years, and then the queen came back in 1914. But since the 1930s, the queens have always come from local high schools. Yes, and at one time in the early years, you could buy votes for a queen, and this was a way for the festival to raise money. And it was 10 votes per penny. And at one time, the... Queen selection was open to anybody in the state, and the people in Pendleton, Oregon, raised so much money that they bought the queen, and the queen did come from Pendleton. Since then, the queen selection comes from a court made up of high school seniors from the Portland area schools. And the interviews I had with the previous queens showed just how much their queen selection meant not only to them and their families, but to the communities they represented. Tell me about the queens that you talked to ahead of 
the coronation of the 2020 queen? I talked to a queen from 1947, and I wanted to talk to her because I believe she is the second oldest living queen. And I wanted to get some kind of perspective about what it meant then coming out of World War II. My name is Georgine Orbson Kuntz, and I was the Rose Queen in 1947. Well, it was really amazing. We were all in a, in a sequestered room when they came in to announce who was queen. And uh, when they announced my name, I just kind of slid down the wall and sat on the floor. I couldn't believe it. I felt there were several other girls that were much more worthy. I was really very surprised and very happy. Well, they crowned me uh, immediately after the selection uh, but they saved the real crowning for a later date that was in a civic stadium where I walked clear across the stadium floor to a throne. Oh my gosh, yes, the stadium was full. People loved the Rose Festival. Very nervous, but it was so much fun. We all had a great time, all of the girls and myself. I'm now residing at Touchmark in the West Hills. And it's amazing how many people come up to me and say, oh, you were the Rose Queen once. I remember you. So it's, it's really nice. So people do remember uh, people, uh, events that happened and people that were involved in the, in the court. Of course, most of the people living here are, you know, my vintage. But it's, uh, it's very flattering and very nice. And what she said really applies to what's happening now. She said, it was a time to forget the world for a while. And in the midst of this pandemic and, and the turmoil, not only in the world, but in our country and our city, there is a desire to go back to simple times. Golly, you know, I think it's important because it gives people a week of fun and festivities and to get away from their problems. I think most people look forward to the Rose Festival. I remember way back when, when you couldn't open a newspaper without there being something that was going on with the festival. She has a six-inch scrapbook of all her pictures and newspaper clippings from that time. And that was really when being a queen was a big deal. Portland back then was really a small town. And a little interesting historical tidbit, this festival began following the 100th anniversary of Lewis and Clark coming to Oregon. And at the time, the city decided to put on a fair. Portland at that time had 120,000 residents. That four-month fair attracted over 1.5 million visitors. And the mayor at the time thought, hey, let's build on this. Let's capitalize on this interest. And that's where the festival started. And it has evolved ever since. So the 47 queen came out of the war era. Then I talked to a queen from 1962. My name is Sherry Biggers Sandell, and I live in Wilsonville, Oregon. I was uh, the Rose Festival queen from Wilson High School in 1962. Wilson opened in 1958, and I was the first queen selected from Wilson. So it was a big deal. My coronation took place at Memorial Coliseum, 
we were on a platform high in the center of the arena that rotated as we were speaking. We had a microphone hanging down. Uh, we were dressed in gowns, of course, and carrying a bouquet of roses. And we each spoke for three minutes. But at that time, we were selected by a panel of judges. Lots and lots of kids from your school came to support you. There was a crowd of close to 9,000 people there, and it was huge student body presence. It probably helped me do a better job because I knew my peers were there. <laughs> people in the high schools see these queens and the community sees these queens, but we so rarely know the lives they lead. We know their resume, the grades, if they're going to go to college, what they want to do. And she went to Wilson High School and she told me that she was probably one of the poorest kids at that school. She told me that her father repaired jukeboxes in taverns. For the younger people who are listening to us, a jukebox is like a portable CD player. He used to put a quarter in it and play 45s, which is a whole other kind of story. And for our even younger listeners, a CD is a disc that you would go and buy at an actual store and physically bring home and put into a CD player before you had MP3s. <laughs> you make me feel so old. Okay. Uh, so she said her father died when she was 17. He died of a heart attack. And her mother really struggled to raise three kids. So when she was named queen, Sherry said she was an outgoing child, but she didn't think she had anything to offer because at home, the struggle to keep food on the table and a roof over the head was the primary importance. And nobody really told her she was special. And Sherry told me that being queen and all that followed from that made her who she is more than anything else in life. And these three stories from these queens really made me see Rose Festival in a different light. And then I talked to the first black queen who was selected as queen in 1980, Robin Marks. And I tracked her down and she went to school in Arizona and that's where she lives now. And she is a middle school math teacher. And her story was very tender and it, it shows what that meant to the black community and to her father. I would say that being selected Rose Festival Queen was a huge honor, of course, and it was a really big deal in 1980 because I was the first African-American queen. And that meant that the black community in Portland finally got a win. It also meant that the judges, they saw beyond the color of my skin because we all know in light of what's happening today, uh, racism and racial profiling, just the color of your skin, has to do sometimes with the consequences of what happens to you as you move throughout uh, society living while being black. What I thought was most profound about her is something that we forget. She said it took more than 72 years before this city picked a black queen. She told me that she stood on the shoulders of the black princesses from other schools 
who were qualified, who she said could have been queen, but they weren't picked as queen. And she told me that her selection gave the African-American community in Portland a sense that things can change. It meant for me that really special, I was going to have experiences that a black girl born and raised in Portland, living in North Portland neighborhood could probably only dream about and not even get a chance to experience. But because of the Rose Festival, I got a chance to, for example, fly to Calgary, Alberta for the Stampede and travel to other different events. And on the Portland cruise ship, going to Newport, Oregon, things like that, that maybe uh, being from North Portland, a black girl in North Portland probably wouldn't have experienced. But I would say that more importantly, being selected Rose Festival Queen, it meant that I had a special opportunity to be an ambassador for the City of Roses while making both Portland and the black community proud that I was their representative for that year. And I'm very thankful, forever grateful, and sometimes it still boggles my mind that I really can't understand the impact that my selection had on the hearts and the minds of the black community. So thank you, Portland. She told me that uh, the night she was crowned queen, her father was in the audience, and she told me he was sitting between two white people, and he just wanted the judges to be fair to his daughter. When she was named queen, she came backstage and her father came to meet her. And she said he had a tear in his eyes. Her father worked as an orderly in a hospital in Portland. And he told his daughter this was a big moment in the black community. And her father saw it as a sign of hope. The change is slow, he said, but we need hope. Someone else who was in the audience was Sherry, the queen from 1962. My court in 1962 was 100% white. In 1980, I was in attendance when Robin Marks was selected as our first black queen. And she was so deserving. I had her chosen from way early on. The princesses used to be in the paper all the time, and I picked her out way early on. And then to hear her speak, she was so poised and so pretty and so well-spoken. I I just was thrilled to death. I cried my eyes out. I'm sure she doesn't know that. I just thought hands down that she should have won, and she did. And I've had witness cases where girls who deserved it did not win who were of another race. So this time it worked, and I honestly... It was one of the happiest things I've experienced being involved with this Rose Festival. It's been a pleasure to watch the changes as far as the makeup of the court and how all walks of life are represented pretty much. After Robin was selected, I just thought that was a big step for us. We can do better in our city, and um, what's going on right now shows that a lot of people agree with that. I, of course, am way, way too old to be going down there and protesting, but if I were younger and my children were uh, younger and involved in some of this, I would have been one of those moms going down and making a line in front of the young people. 
but you know you don't do that at seventy six years old and I think that's a an interesting juxtaposition to what's going on now that the issues we're dealing with as a city with Black Lives Matter and changes in the institutions and systematic racism. Robin talked about that, that the struggle remains real. She is not some idealistic woman. She said the struggle is real in the lives, but we need to look for little moments that show that change. And she said being named queen during her era represented that kind of change that was desperately needed in the community. Have you been assigned the Rose Festival Queen story before? No. My Rose Festival coverage in the past years, they would mobilize a team of reporters to cover this. And I was one of maybe 10 people assigned to cover the parade. And I would walk the parade route and look for interesting people to interview. Or I would be assigned to a specific corner and a photographer would take a picture throw the film down to me, and then I would hand it to a motorcycle rider who would take the film to the newsroom to be developed for the next day's paper. That's amazing. Yeah, it was a big deal. (laughs) Have you covered the parade? I have actually only covered it from the office. I've been the person who catches the photos from photographers. It doesn't involve handing down film like a spy movie to a guy on a motorcycle. Now we have receivers on the cameras and it just sends it to an FTP site, and I grab it from there. It's not nearly as exciting as that is. But I love it. I love everything about it. I love the pomp and the pageantry and the history. Um, I'm from New Orleans, so a lot of it does remind me of Mardi Gras. Like It's like Mardi Gras, but without any of, I guess, the drinking. But I I think if you've you've grown up in Portland, your grandparents or parents took you to the parade, and then if you had kids, you went down to the parade— And you used to have to get up early to get a seat. And I remember getting down there with another father at like four in the morning to get a good spot. At first, you're kind of grumbling, thinking, oh, I can't believe I'm going to this parade. But when it happens, it really is this sense of community. And and I hope that this parade continues because we need these little touch marks that remind us of our past and how it relates to the the present, and hopefully relates to the future, too. Well, this year's Rose Festival pretty much didn't happen. It's like the third time, I think, in the history of the Rose Festival that they haven't really had a festival. They had a couple of events that happened virtually and online, and they did finally, after a two-month delay, end up crowning a queen this year. We both went to the coronation, which was last week. So normal years, it would be in the Memorial Coliseum, it would be a crowd, it would be, you know, obviously indoors. None of that happened this year. This was a pretty small event. It happened at the International Rose Garden. There was press there, but there really wasn't much of an audience. I think their their families were all kind of standing back behind the rose bushes, distanced. And then you had the Royal Rosarians there in their white wool suits and boater hats that haven't changed since 1910. This celebration itself is a stark reminder of the changed world we live in. This pandemic might have changed the way we do things, but could not take away from us the spirit and the resolve to celebrate our history and our tradition. They bring out all the girls. They have parasols, matching dresses, masks on. They all get together in the front. 
Let's begin by introducing our royalty, the Rose Festival Princess Court. Princess Michelle Lee, Princess Zoe Wiesner, Brenda Ortegon Rizinho, Jensen Kalen, Kimberly Wynn, Dylan Newville, Ren Lewis, Rosarina Chippen, Princess Anya Anand, Melissa Okazaki, Princess Grace Gintner, Carmela Thomas, Natalie Satina Hutchins, Dore Young, Emma LeBeau. One of these 15 princesses is about to take her place in Rose Festival history. And then there's the big announcement. Your 2020 Rose Festival Queen is Queen Anya Anand from Lincoln Hospital. And what was really interesting about this year, the very first year they had high school young women from Portland on the court, the girls on the court picked the queen. And after that, they were always judged. There was a vote. For this year, they went back to the beginning and the girls on the court voted for their queen. So in the midst of a historic pandemic that we will be reading about for 100 years, we go back in time to the way the festival began in 1930. It's been such an amazing experience to be part of a group of so many young, confident, and amazing women. This year we um, chose Queen by voting for each other, so it just means a lot that so many of my fellow Rose Court sisters believe in me so much and uh, gave me the honor of being Queen. I'm looking forward to representing my city and going around and just, yeah, just representing the Rose Festival. I think it's really important, um, especially because the Rose Festival has been around for so many years, and it's another way to instill that tradition and sense of normalcy in such a changing and evolving time. And, and you, if you look at the court in recent years, it is so much more diverse than it was in the beginning. I think it's really a reflection of the city now and the community's demographics. And so I, I just really love like the things that have modernized, but the things that we have kept. I would say the Rose Festival court in the last, let's say, 10 years is really more diverse than any other institution in the city in that you have young women from different economic backgrounds, different ethnic and racial backgrounds. And that is a, a very powerful sign that's visible about how things can and should change. When you were asked to write the Rose Festival Queen story, did you kind of groan or did you kind of think, what am I, what is there even new to say about this? Yes, because <laughs> I've been at the paper 40 years. There's, it's hard to come up with new things to say about anything. Uh, two things. First off, it's outside. It was like 100 degrees. Oh, my God. It was so hot. One of the things that happens to people in the news business who've been there a long time is, that, is, that, is they do get jaded. And the danger is you look at everything as a cynic. Oh, the Rose Festival. 
Oh, the county fair. Oh, the pie bacon contest. That's stupid. Who cares? And it's important to go cover these kind of things to remind yourself that these things really do matter in our readers' lives. And I think those stories should remind us as storytellers to never get so jaded that we can't look at something simple with fresh eyes. That's gold, Tom. That's that's Tom Hallman gold right there. <laughs> that might be a good way. That might be a good way to end it, right? And, and um, you know what's going to happen for the next ten years? We're going to be covering the Rose Festival now. Yeah, we're we're going to be the Rose Festival team forever. I don't mind I, it. I love it. I thought it was I, precious. I am going to start a campaign. I'm going to go see if we can buy votes again, and I'm going to buy you a Royal Rosarian <laughs> membership. Oh my god, I am like so interested in the Royal Rosarians. I want to know everything about it. I love unnecessary pageantry. <laughs> I think next year we need to do a story about you in the parade as a Rosarian. You do a little yeah, first I, person piece. I don't know how you become a Rosarian. I think a courier comes with like a golden envelope in the middle of the night. I think that's how it works. Well, I know my marching orders. <laughs> so I think that's it for us. Thanks for listening. If you like our podcast and you want to hear more, subscribe to Organ Lives wherever you get the rest of your podcasts. Thank you for asking me to talk. I'm really not sure why I was asked, (laughs) but I appreciate Tom Holman and the Oregonian. It's been part of my life since I was a very small child. That's it for me. Over and out. Bye-bye.